devil in the detail. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Devil in the Details, of a Red Devil's independent fan podcast with me, Rob Pax. Enjoying the show this week as ever. Dan Robinson, right Dan? Hi Rob, you okay? You had a good week? Yeah, yeah, really, really good week, mate. Good. Also uh, joining us on the uh, podcast this week is uh, the Wade Red Paul Whiteside, right Paul? Hey Rob, you alright mate? Another good win for us at weekend. Yeah, you get used to this, can't you? You know, Champagne Salford, two points every week. Happy days. Cool. So what have we got on the show this week, Paul? We've got a review of the victory against Widness. Uh, we've got the news. We've got a special feature with Carlo Napolitano. We've got the amateur review and we've got a preview of the massive game on Thursday night away at Wigan. Cool. So what we'll do, we'll start with the uh, amazing win against Widness uh, at weekend. Devil in the <laughs> so great win for the South Red Devils on Sunday against Witness Vikings, twenty-eight points to twenty. Paul, um, you know, big game it was on Sunday, and Salford delivered. Yeah, they certainly did. I think there was like sort of an area of expectancy. I think outside the ground, you know, on on Sunday, and rightly so after the Saint Helens Saint Helens game and the way we started the game, it looked like we was going to blow Witness away, but. But I was just happy to get the two points, really, in the end. It was a bit um, bit nerve-wracking. Yeah, Salford started with Gareth O'Brien at full-back, Dustin Carney, Junior Sal, Josh Griffin, Greg Johnson, Michael Dobson, Robert Lou, Ben Murdoch-Masala, Mark Flanagan, Josh Jones, Craig Copjack, Tommy Lee and George Griffin on the bench for Salford and Devils was Lugger Tonkins, Adam Warren, Ryan Lannan and Phil Joseph. Dan, uh, Salford... Uh, very impressive early on uh, and scored the first try um, through Justin Carney. Wonderful uh, ball out for him uh, to feed on the uh, feed on the pass. Yeah, it was. It was Gaz O'Brien that sort of delivered a, a fantastic ball to him on the wing, and you know he got his uh, try scoring account up and running, ready for the uh, you know the, the campaign ahead. But yeah, I'll reiterate what Paul said. I thought we looked really, really good. Um, you know, going twelve 0 up in the first few minutes, and the thing that impressed me was scoring back to back tries. I mean the. You know, the second one, the Flanagan's try, when Robert Lou just sort of carved through the defence like it wasn't there. Uh, you know, and he was actually quite lucky to, to not break his back on that post, Flanagan. He hit it that hard. Uh, but, yeah, you know, really impressive. And like I said, we continued to kick on then. And, you know, when it got to 22-0, I think everyone was sort of in dreamland, really. I thought, you know, it's going to be like a Saints game here, but slapped off towards the end of the second half, uh, end of the first half, and then the second half, you know, was a, a bit of a different story, you know. But... The thing that impressed me the most is last season we would have lost that game, you know, with the way it went in the second half. We would have we would have lost it, and we you know we knuckled down. You know, Tommy Lee was fantastic. I mean, the forty twenty kick that he did to set us up for the try, uh, you know, Flanagan's try to win the game was was fantastic. But yeah, you know, on a team performance, it, you know, it was okay. It wasn't the best, um, you know, the second half. Uh, but credit to Witness, they came at us. But again, it's showing resilience, and we can fight it off, and we got the two points in the end. Paul, echoes of the, of the Saints game. Two early tries from Salford, then a Greg Johnson score in the corner. Salford in, in dominant uh, form at that point. Yeah, that's right. But in between that, though, Gareth O'Brien was also simbing. And he was, I think it was about the 20th minute he was simbing. And for that 10 minutes while he was off, we didn't concede. We actually scored a try through Greg Johnson. So we went down to 12 men. men. And some of the, I mean, Witness had quite a bit of ball in that game, especially in the first half. And there was a few sets on our line there, and we, we defended really, really well. You know, seasons gone by, we sort of fell apart there and conceded sort of back-to-back tries, but we didn't. We, we held them out. 
got the other try from that great kick from from uh, Dobson for Johnson to score. So the little things like that impressed me. You know, the attacking play was was brilliant again. You know, to go sweaty two and a little, but. The little things like that impressed me. The defensive effort, what some of the players put in. I mean, Craig Copjack, I thought, you know, stood out fantastic on, on Sunday. Some of the little things he did in defence and that really, really impressed me. Yeah, I agree with that. I think, you know, we, we started quite dominant. And obviously, uh, when O'Brien went off, Salford had to go up another gear, um, Dan, where Josh Griffin, you know, scored in that period of time. It's a, it's a good sign, obviously, you know, when you're back to the wall that Salford can, you know, go up the other end and score. Yeah, you know, and it's, it's it's credit to the boys, you know, going twelve to uh, down to twelve men and, and managing not to concede, as Paul said, and score a try. And you know, uh, I think Josh Griffin took his try quite well. You know, Chris Bridges no mug. You know, he had to sort of get through him and get over him to get the try. And you know, I think he injured Chris Bridges at the time of doing that because he didn't look pleased with himself. But yeah, you know, great resilience shown by the team. Um, you know, going a man down and and sort of instead of taking a step back, we sort of took a step forward and kicked on. You know, and got to twenty-two now, which was impressive. Yeah, uh, towards you know the end of the second, uh, end of the first half, uh, the witness hit back through a try from uh, Reese Hanbury. Uh, you know, defence, you know, a little bit shaky, but unfortunately for us, it, it got from went from bad to worse, getting a penalty uh, against us straight from kickoff. Uh, Paul, you know that kind of pressure, you know, it, it builds, and you know, unfortunately Salford weren't able to deal with it. Yeah, it does. I mean, the first try, witness score, it was a, it was a cracking kick from Kevin Brown at that forty twenty they got, and uh, to give him the first try, and then the penalty from the kickoff. I mean, how many times do you see that that penalty? I think I've only ever seen that once or twice. I, mean, I think Ganson's given one before on the telly, but it's a very rare penalty. That I thought it was a bit harsh, to be honest. But but you know, the the guy for witness that Houston, he took a bit of stopping, didn't he? And took a couple of players over the line with him, and that's just what we didn't want, really. You know, too quick. Back-to-back tries there in 22-10 at half-time. They were back in the game there, wouldn't they? Yeah, 22-10 at half-time. Still got a 12-point cushion, Dan. Um, you know, what What were you thinking? Were you thinking that, you know, witness worthy in the ascendancy at the time? Uh, you know, were, were you worried? Uh, you know, always worried when you're a Salford fan, aren't you, Rob? You know, <laughs> we, we were just talking before that with the St. Helens game. Even at half-time, we were a bit, you know, concerned that they were going to come back in it. But, um, yeah, you know... Bit of squeaky bum time once it, I thought, and then when they came out the second half and you know scored quite a you know some good tries they got you know they weren't sort of you know next to nothing tries they actually deserved to, to score and you know towards the end I mean I think the uh, the try um, what their winger scored that is it Runchman or something when he got the the ball through uh, O'Brien and Dobson not picking the ball up. I thought he'd been shot at one point, O'Brien, the, the way he went down and he got Corey the ball. Tom, Corey Thompson. Corey Thompson, Thompson, that's it, yeah. Thompson, he's the one that got the try, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, you know, and I must admit, when he got to uh, 22-20, I thought, oh, because as I said before, you know, last season, we would have lo- lost that game, wouldn't we, when he got another couple of tries. But, you know, yeah, credit to the boys. Yeah, they dug in, uh, Paul. Um, you know, the Mark, uh, Mark Lee, Tommy Lee, uh, 40 20 going kick. back there, Rob Martley. Yeah, it was Martley esque, to be fair. Um, kicked a, a 40 20, uh, Paul, that was out of this world, which turned the game. It did do, yeah. You could sense the relief in this in the stadium when that, you know, that the referee signal that was a 40 20 because I don't know how long was left there. There was about about four, three or four minutes left, wasn't there? And that, that sort of kick, you, you sort of knew then we we're going to do something from this, this scrum. And luckily we got over the line with Flanagan, but yeah. Tommy Lee again, he was outstanding when he's outstanding in defence and he's just you know, he's got that knack on it to to get that kick away at the right time. He did it a few times last season. I was impressed with him again, his work rate, fantastic. Yeah, and obviously you you want your captain to lead by example 
and, and to pull a, a 40-20 out like, like that, Dan, you know, you know, it shows his, 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 his captain material. Absolutely, and I think he's really stepped up to the mark this season so far. I mean, I know we're only, you know, what is it, three three games in uh, to the season, but, you know, in all three games, he's stood up, he's been counted, and he's led from the front. Um, but, yeah, that, that kick, it was, you know, I, I don't think anybody expected it apart from him, you know, and for it to do, you know, one bounce and go out, and then obviously from resulting from that, to go over to win the game, you know, I think credit goes to, to Tommy Lee. Yeah, and obviously, Sofa built the pressure, Paul, uh, and then Mark Flanagan burst over the line uh, from close close range to, to win the game. Yeah, and the relief was there for all to see. I think I everybody mean, I, breathed I, at that oh, point, didn't they, Paul? <laughs> I, I certainly did, yeah. But just going back to Tommy Lee there, I mean, he's like last season. Tommy was really unlucky with his injuries last season. When I think he was out for he was out for a good long while, wasn't he? A good few months. He missed quite a big chunk of the season. And when he didn't play last season, I thought we we really missed him. We missed his leadership qualities, his defensive qualities, and uh, I'm just glad he's back in the side. And you know, he was he was up there for for man of the match for me on Sunday. Yeah, and this is what Ian Watson had to say uh, about you know the performance on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, really good. It's it's a, it's a win. Um, we probably did it a little bit uglier in the end. Um, started off really well. And then we kind of um, just dropped a little bit where Witness got a bit of impetus on that. Um, but to be fair, Witness have been playing really well over the last few weeks as well. So it was a good win for us. And keeping the scores for as long as you did in both halves, really. Yeah, we're showing some real resilience um, in defence, to be fair, which is something that we've had a big focus on. Um, they broke us a couple of times too easy um, in the last 10, 5 minutes of the first half, which we weren't too happy about. But some of our goal line defence was really good today, and that's probably got us our, our win. Even at the back end, the last five minutes there, we defended our goal line and we weren't letting him through. So, What did Dobson say to him just before they came off? He's got them all in a huddle. I just have a little chat with him, just put, um, put a few things. Mainly learning from what you're doing. So every week you're trying to learn and build on what you've done. Um, so it'll be, it'll be talking about that and the process and looking forward to the Wigan game probably now. <laughs> how, yeah. big, how big was this here to back up from the, from the St. Helens yeah. performance? Yeah, it was massive for us. It was important that we did that because at the moment we, we played against Wigan at home, had a really good performance, went to Hull and we didn't back it up. Played Saints with a good performance. It was important that we backed it up today with a win as well, um, which was really good. Niall was he injured or just...? No, Niall wasn't today. Um, we took a call on Niall. I mean, Niall's one of them. You, we, I think everyone likes Niall. Everyone loves Niall. Um, and you know he always pops up with a try somewhere and it was a tough decision, to be fair. Um, with Nile, we just felt with the way Widnes played, we had to go with that extra forward on the bench um, this week. So it was looking at that really. Um, so Nile was unlucky to miss out really because he, he, he's been a real good pro. He's been great about it. Um, and he's doing the things the right way and he understands it's a team effort. Um, but yeah, Nile will get plenty more games. Nile's a great player. Yeah. Gaz has really settled in that fullback role there, hasn't he? Yeah, he's, he's done really well for us. Um, the things that we looked at in, in pre season and Kind of it was always like we had Niall who was the, the main fullback all the time and then Gaz kind of came out of the box a little bit and we ran him a few times in training he was linking really well with our edges and really showing some really good stuff but he's a smart footballer as well and he's got a great kicking game about him he talks he doesn't stop talking out the back as well which is is key for your defence um, and he's been first class to be fair for us like I say uh, Niall's not been kind of replaced by uh, just an average player here he's a real good player who knows the game Gaz yeah, it got a bit um, dicey there, but stuff like that will stand us in good stead. That they're the games you want to be involved in because come the end of the year, um, you'll get them kind of pressure games, 
and it's how you handle them and come through the other side and our defence stood up to that at the back end as well so we need to be a little bit smarter in identifying certain things which we've just spoke about in there um, but we'll, we'll keep that in there but that's one for us to learn maybe it's the spine of the team a little bit What do you make of this short turnaround now? Yeah, it's it's not ideal um, having such a short turnaround, but it's it's a challenge, and we get it at Easter as well. Um, so we'll look after the boys the right way, and um, we'll look at personnel, see if there's people who need to maybe be flipped in. It's it's a team game, so at some stage you're going to have to use your squad, and that's why you have a squad as well. So we don't, we don't worry about it; we just crack on with it. How do you think Wigan will react from what happened to them last night? Yeah. Are they yeah, whenever you lose a game, you're always dangerous to the next game because everyone wants to put the wrongs right. Um, Wigan's Fair came up to a great team last night and they were saying, um, like obviously they were struggling to break them down, but they probably struggled to break them down as well because they've got a player like Sam Tompkins who's sat in the stand who can kind of give you that little bit of X factor as well. Um, so yeah, I know they'll probably be looking forward to getting back out there on Thursday as well, but we'll definitely be accepting the challenge. Oh yeah, it would yeah, be a great result for us. Yeah. Oh, no, it would be brilliant to back that one up um, on the win from here and then it would probably show people that we're a little bit more of a, a danger than most people thought we were going to be this year. So. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, to be fair, we've, we've been practising with our nines, to be fair, on the kicking game because, believe it or not, Tommy's got a great kicking game. Logan's got an absolute tremendous kicking game. It's just I don't think they've ever really been used it before and Tommy used it at the back end for us when he played at seven um, but it, it's, a, it's a dangerous weapon if your nines can kick like them they can kick um, it's just getting the repetition into them to be able to do it and the confidence out there which they seem to be playing with that little bit of confidence at the moment to do it so Ian Watson Paul happy with that performance yeah too I mean it's been a good start it? two two home wins there and we're going to go to Wigan on Thursday night you know, on the back of two wins and, and a bit of confidence. And I think for the first time in a long time, we, we go in there with you know a real sense of belief that we can we can turn them over. Yeah, Dan, obviously, you know, we're looking forward to the Wigan game, but I think the result against Widner shows that, you know, Salford are, are a team on the up, like you said before. You know, it's a game we probably would have lost in seasons have gone by, but this season, you know, it's it's all different. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, as, uh, as Ian Watson said, um, you know, they're trying to create a, a good brand of rugby at the you know the club this year, and, and we are doing. You know, I think Robert Lou's been you know an absolute fantastic signing for us. You know, a lot of people were saying when Chase, you know, left that oh, you know, you're going to fill a gap there. But to be fair, I think he's really stepped up to the mark, and then you know he's improving the players around him. I mean, Dobson, you know, I thought struggled last year because obviously you know with Rangi Chase, you're looking. You know what's he going to do next? But they seem to have a really good partnership them to this season. I think it's only going to blossom. You know they're really going to control it. They're going to control the game. You know game management is 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 key. You know as, as Ian Watson said, you know a number of times already this season. But yeah, you know fantastic performance and yeah, Roland Wigan. You know a lot of expectation. Uh, I think they've got a few players out. They're going to be obviously firing on all cylinders, having got absolutely battered by Brisbane. Uh, but yeah, you know I think as Paul said. We're going there with a lot of confidence that we can actually turn the wing inside over. Yeah, looking at the stats, um, you've got Craig Cropjack with 36, Mark Flanagan with 31, Tommy Lee with 34, Ben, ben Murdoch Masala with 30, George, Gra George Griffin with 31. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot of work going on in that, in that forward pack, uh, Paul. There certainly is, yeah. I mean, uh, I think Ben Murdoch Masala played 80 minutes, if I'm not wrong, on. Uh... On Sunday, I'm sure he was on for yeah, the no, he did. He flight to flight. Yeah, because I kept thinking, 
like I said to my dad a few times, he's not been off him. Bird up myself, he's not been off, and he'd not. I'd not noticed him go off, so he, he worked his socks off again. But Craig Copjack for me, I, I remember saying on on Sunday, he's my man of the match. You know, with about ten minutes to go, just just I think there's one thing he did in defence. He, he shot out the line and tackled one of the Woods players. I can't remember who it was, and they, they spilled the ball. It was, but that was at a point when Woodness were really on top, and I thought it was like sort of a game changing part of the game. And, and Flanagan as well. I mean, the work rate he puts in and two tries. You know. Do some really good performances on the, on Sunday there. Yeah, uh, looking at the the meters gains, Josh Josh Jones, 128 meters. Uh, Dan, you know he he had some good you know goal forward uh, at weekend. Yeah, he did, and he, you know not playing in his his you know normal position in centre. You know he's put into the pack for the second row, and you know I don't think he looked out of sort whatsoever. I know he's played it a few times when he was at St Helens, but you know yeah he he sort of took the ball forward. He we worked hard in defence. Um, and yeah, you know, I think he's going to be one of them players where, no matter where we 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 put him, he will do a job. And I think it's great work by you know Ian Watson and Tim Sheens to bring that caliber of player in because wherever there's going to be a, you know, a void if an injury comes in, he can always step up and and play uh, a full eighty minutes, which is good. And like I said, uh, Murdoch Masala playing eighty minutes, you know, it was sort of uh, Stuart Fielding-esque and Jamie Peacock wants it. You know, they 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 play 80 minutes and they have a you know, fantastic performance but yeah I don't think I can remember the last time we had a, a second row play a full 80 minutes I don't know if you two can oh, well I say the second row it's you know it's a tough job having to, having to go for a full 80 minutes uh, talking about the front row though Craig Copjack with 91 uh, metres um, that's that's an outstanding effort Robert Lude is 79 metres as well you know there's a lot of effort going on uh, both in, you know going forward you know there's lots of uh, you know good carries there Paul yeah, there certainly wasn't. I mean, the enthusiasm of the the players and that it's there for all to see. I mean, you know, winning breeds confidence, doesn't it? Yeah, it's great to see, isn't it? You know, um, last season we didn't really have that togetherness, did we? And that sort of team spirit. But you know, now I've been to Wigan, you know, numerous occasions in the last sort of twenty odd years, and you go there sort of hoping, hoping to keep the score down, don't you? Um, and, you know, if you're in with a shout after 60 minutes, but, you know, this time, there's, there's a bit of belief there. And I hope I'm not, you know, uh, being a bit daft, but I've, I've got a feeling we can go there and win on Thursday. So, you know, that's brilliant. Yeah, I think uh, the hun- unsung heroes for me, Ran- Ryan Lannon, average gain of 7.2 metres. Adam Warren, uh, he went on average 7.67 metres every carry. You know, when you've got your forwards going forwards, Dan, you know, Players like that, they'd be able to build a you know platform for the likes of uh, you know Dobson and Rob Lute to, to make the magic happen. Yeah, well, when you when you're on the attack, you want your forwards obviously to to get the, on the front foot and you know do do their job basically, which is you know getting over the game line and and getting on the front foot ready for the backs to do the work and, and score the tries. But yeah, you know I think uh, Ryan Lannan, yeah, I know um, towards uh, last season of well start of last season, I was speaking to Gazok. And he was saying, obviously, because it's his cousin, he said he's going to be a really, you know, star for the future. And I think he's already shown that. And, you know, hopefully if, he, if he's in the, you know, the team for, for Thursday, which I think he is, obviously gets a, a nice little try like he did in the friendly. And, you know, it's all systems go for him. But, yeah, you know, the forwards are fantastic. Uh, yeah, again, getting on the front foot. And, you know, I know we discussed it earlier on uh, in the podcast uh, this year about, you know, we, we look a bit light in the forwards and, you know, the whole game sort of mentioned that, but I think that the last two, they've really stepped up the boys, and, you know, none of us are saying that anymore now, are we? So, if they can keep that going, then brilliant. Cool. Who was your man of the match, Paul? Craig Copjack. Craig Copjack for me, I just thought he worked his socks off. 
he, he tackled well, he takes the ball up. He, he, when he when he goes forward as well, he's taking three or four blokes to put him down and he's carrying on moving. He makes so many metres and we just you know, you just mentioned that in the stats there. But I just think he's you know, you've got Tommy Lee as captain, but he's a he's a big leader on the pitch for me as well. And it was a toss up between him and Tommy Lee for me at the weekend, but I'm just just um swaying with Cop Jack. Yeah, I've got a Cop Jack, fifteen carries, uh, third sort of most carrier, let's call it. Um, you know, on on the day. He's, he's, he's an athlete, you know, phenomenal athlete, a warrior as well. I think in that last sort of couple of minutes, he dug in and, and obviously helped defend the line. And, you know, obviously we have, we have uh, you know, um, Scott, Scott Taylor. Taylor. Scott Taylor. Uh, you know, he left and he left a big hole. Uh, but, but Cop Jack, weeks come in uh, and, and filled that, uh, Dan. Yeah, yeah, he certainly has. And, you know, a lot of people sort of undenied when we signed him at the start of the year. But, you know, he's always been a workhorse when he's been at Huddersfield. You know, he always took the ball in well. He always got them on the front foot. He was always in the starting team. You know, he had big old Crabtree next to him. And, you know, I think he's he's brought his game from there straight over to, you know, over the Pennines to Salford. And, yeah, he's getting us on the front foot, which is what you expect from your forwards. But, like Paul said, it's the, it's the other work that he does, you know, the attention to detail. Like I said, when he stepped out the line and I think, was it Kevin Brown? I think he, it was. I remember, yeah. I remember jumping up and... Because he, he just come out of line from nowhere, didn't he? Just hit... Yeah. Yeah. Hit the player, and obviously that caused you know a fumble, and we got the possession, which was brilliant. Yeah. So, yeah, I think for me, he got man of the match as well. It was the, the little fine details that he did in his work, which were good. Me, I'm I'm personally going to go uh, for Michael Dobson. I thought you know he led the the, the it was around the field brilliantly, uh, and he's got really like you say really good you know link up play with, with Rob Lou and and O'Brien around you know coming around the back. You know he's got that you know got options around him. Uh, he's got good runners, and obviously you know if we continue to play. Uh, at, you know, like the style we are playing, he's gonna, you know, he's gonna create all kinds of problems for our opposition, uh, Paul. Yeah, definitely. One thing I noticed about Dobson, and my dad who noticed it actually, he said to me on Sunday, um, he looks like he did, you know, sort of four or five years ago. He looks like he's, you know, got his got his pace back because I mean, last season he looked, he was carrying injuries, wasn't he, last season? And I don't think we saw the best of him. I think he was carrying like, cement a few times as well. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. So in his boots, yeah. But this season, he looks a totally different player again, doesn't he? And I think we're going to see the best of him this season. And like Dan was saying before, his partnership with Robert Lewis, I mean, he's only played with him, what, three games, three or four games with the friendlies as well. So that partnership's going to blossom as the season goes on. You get drier grounds and that, you know, don't you as well? I think I think we're going to come into our own. So at the moment, you know, things are looking good. Yep, uh, obviously, going through your three-word match reports, uh, Andy Lancashire, uh, he says, tense, nervous, victory. Uh, Colin Reynolds said, "Never give up. Never give up." Uh, his man of the match was Carney. Uh, John Walton, good hard battle. His man of the match was Carney. Um, Paul King hung in there. His man of the match was Cop Jack. Uh, Martin, it's never easy. His man of the match was Flanagan. Flanagan, you know, he was phenomenal uh, throughout. Paul. Yeah, he was, and he took his two tries. Well, I mean, especially that first one there, where he went crashing into the post. He did really well to get the ball down there, but. He's another one as well who does all the unsung work, doesn't he? The, the yards and, and the tackling. And, you know, compared to the sort of forward pack we had last season, this season we've got some real workhorses in there. And, I mean, that, that's great. The more, the, the better. Yeah, Chris and Jan, Janet Shenton uh, wanted the win. Uh, their man match was Tommy Lee for his big kick. Uh, Mal Crompton, he says, I love Salford. We all love Salford, uh, Mal. Um, Hitman Handle, uh, he said, Dobson controlled everything. Uh, Donovan White, some nervous moments. There was a few uh, nervous moments. He's right there. Uh, Willows Road. He said, "Tough old game." And his man of the match was uh, Gareth O'Brien. So there's a, you know there's a few uh, different uh, old man of the matches there. Shows it was a good 
team performance, Dan. Yeah, and like you say, you know, they, everyone sort of picked a different man of the match, uh, which you know can can only be be good for the side, really. That you know, there's a lot of people standing out. Um, so yeah, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it's you know all systems go for Thursday. Yeah, more um, three word match reports there. Jake Chanuk uh, said draining battle flowing. Um, David Caesar said great first half. Gary Williams toughed it out. Is uh, man of the match was Craig Kopjack again. Uh, Chairman Bob. Uh, said a scruffy win. His man of the match was Cop Jack. Paul Foster hung in there, Cop Jack. Uh, John Pembleton, uh, mistakes, discipline, two points. Uh, and the final one is uh, Ramsey Snow uh, wins a win. His man of the match was Johnson. So, you know, fans happy with, with what's going on. Uh, two good wins, uh, you know, in a row, uh, Paul. You know, it's only going to be, you know, all good things can happen from now. That's right. And another lad I'd like to give a mention to on uh, Sunday was Gareth O'Brien. I know he made a mistake for um, the late try that, that uh, Thompson scored, Corey Thompson scored, but I just noticed how he was so so steady under the eye kick there. I mean, Kevin Brown peppered him a few times and he, he took took them eyeballs all afternoon and um, he looked really, really steady and he made, he made a lot of yards, made a few breaks as well and, you know, he sort of made that full-back spot very difficult now for for, for young Nile to come back in so we, we keep talking about that every week, don't we, about who's going to be beautiful but but he impressed me on on Sunday Gareth you, you, you come to join me on the the Gaz O'Brien fullback side well you... I, I don't know because Niall last season Niall I don't like saying him my favourite players but Niall was probably my favourite player last season I really really admire the way where he plays the game and you know uh, he seems to live the life and he's, he's a good young lad but no, I've always admired Gareth O'Brien when I saw him playing at Warrington and he played at Saints and Castlewood. I've seen him on the telly. He, you know, he's a he's a good player. Um, but no, I don't I don't know this. I mean, who, who would you put there on Thursday? Which is it? I suppose with the uh, you know the short turnaround, it kind of depends really. I suppose if because uh, Nile didn't get a game, he's going to be fresher uh, than o, than O'Brien. It might be worth a you know a look at. I, I think. I know, but would you want to change a winning side? That's the thing, isn't it? You know, we've got momentum there to, you know. Two from three, are you going to want to change things much? You know, yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, I don't think there's anything to worry about. All it is, is it's good competition, isn't it? Of course, you know, it is, you, you've yeah. got that, that's what you want as a player. You want to be pushed to your limits, and I think with them two, you know, they're going to push <clears> each other, and you know, they're going to get the best out of each other. It's a long season as well, and it is a long season, and, and Niall's going to get his chance. There's going to be, you know, people are going to get injured, people are going to get suspended, things are going to happen aren't they you know it is a long season and yeah. he's going to get his opportunity when his opportunity comes that's when he's got to take his opportunity I mean there's been you know players at other clubs where they've you know they've had sort of two players in one position and those players have, have thrived on it haven't they and I think that's what you've got to do you're a professional you've got to be looking at when you get your opportunity you take it so as soon as Niall does get that opportunity he's going to have to impress so um, he's going to work towards that and I think people saying he's going to do a feel on that I think I think young Niall's got his head screwed on and I don't I don't think we'll see anything like that I think, like I say, rugby league's—it's a squad game. Everyone gets their opportunity. Um, Ebbles is, is a class act, and the cream always rises to the top for me. So, you know, we will get his opportunity throughout the season. And like you said, Paul, it's just a matter of uh, you know him taking that opportunity when he gets it. So now, what we'll do? We'll have a quick look at the uh, the news. What's coming out from the club this week? News. Okay, so news. Coming from the club, big uh, big meeting uh, happening on the 24th of February, which is probably technically today, if you're listening to the, the, the podcast uh, on that Wednesday. Uh, Gaz Carvel is holding a meeting on the first floor in the players' round to talk about uh, Salford's 
Academy uh, under 16 and in the 19s and future fundraising activities, Paul. Uh, you know, it's really important that we get behind, uh, you know, the youth and, and you know, raise funds for them to, to produce, you know, quality players in the future. Yeah, definitely, yeah. And uh, Gareth seems to be doing a good job there. And it's been nice the way we've talked about it recently over the last sort of six months of how the, the under 19s have progressed. I mean, when we got them sort of bad reports and everyone was sort of slagging our academy off, it's, it's been nice that we've, we've, we've pro- we have made some progress and it's, it's great now to see, you know, that coming to fruition with the likes of Lannan and Warren Brothers and Nia Levels and, and some of the lads who've gone on loan as well. I mean, I was just uh, talking to a mate of mine the other day, he's an Oldham supporter and he was telling me about, you know, the amount of players that, that we've sort of loaned to them recently and, and some of the players that we've released and who've gone on there to sign for them. So we have produced youngsters and I mean, yeah, anything, you know, that's going to, Improve that is is a good thing. Yeah, uh, Tim Sheens, uh, Russ McFarlane, uh, possibly Robert Lou, Daniel Vidit, and uh, Ben Murdoch, Masala are all making an appearance. But like I say, they are the you know current the first team. But you know the youth is important, and I'm sure they'll they'll hopefully get a big uh, you know group down there. But you know we're full of ideas uh, to raise funds um, for the uh, the academy, the under 19s and the under 16s. Uh, next bit of news. Um, is the Good Friday clash with the Catalan Dragons is a three o'clock kickoff at the AJ Bell, uh, Paul. Um, you know, I suppose this week our short turnaround was a bit of a you know dummy run for the uh, Easter weekend. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be uh, it's a big Easter for us, isn't it? We've got Huddersfield away on the uh, Easter Monday, I believe, as well. So uh, it's a strange one though, Catalan at home on uh, on a Good Friday. I mean, Good Friday was always well, it used to be Swinton, didn't it? And then. We've had uh, Lee on a good Friday, haven't we? And uh, Warrington, Warrington it used to be Warrington, didn't it? Quite recently as well. So, so Catalan's going to be going to be a strange old one on a, on a good Friday, but but it gives us a chance to watch a bit of the uh, Wigan and Saints game, doesn't it? Before our game, when there's usually a game at night time as well. I mean, I love Easter. I mean, Easter's like for me, you know, it's rugby league, isn't it? And I always sort of book myself a few days off work and watch all the televised game as well. So I'm, I'm really excited for Easter. Yeah, I think for us fans, having you know two games in such a you know, quick time is it, really great. Obviously, players, different story, having to play two games, kind of one after another, really. Uh, yeah, but, some, you know, sometimes as well, it can, it can sort of make a, your season kind of that Easter time. If you can get them two, two wins at Easter, it sort of kicks you on then, doesn't it, for the rest of this? But if you get sort of two two defeats, you know, it's uh, it's it's harder, isn't it, to pick yourself up after that. But, um, you know, you get a lot of coaches, don't you, moaning about the short turnaround. I, I love it. It's, it's always been their tradition. I mean, if you go back to sort of the seventies and that, they used to play Friday, Saturday, Monday. I think they used to play three games at Easter, so um, you know, back-to-back days as well. So they've got it easy now. Two day, two games. Got it easy now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next bit of news: um, the tickets for the Wigan game are available. Uh, Twenty-two pound for adults, fifteen pounds um, for concessions or juniors. Uh, the coach for eleven quid uh, per person. That's going. Uh, from Shanders at 6 o'clock, The Hope at 10 past 6, Eccles Town Hall at 20 past 6, and the AJ Bell at 6.30. Telephone number to, to get on that coach is 0161 786 So I think I'm getting quite emotional this, Paul. I'm dying to cough. Give me a minute. <coughs> oh, man. Sorry, quite emotional there, talking about the coach. Uh, so we're good. Um, hopefully, you know, it'll get it'll get Phil. It'll get Phil and we'll, uh, we'll take a good following. I hope so, yeah. I, mean, I can't wait for, for Thursday night. It's, it's going to be really exciting. Yeah. We can turn again on. We've got Warrington the following Thursday. I mean, I'm 
how much momentum we're going to take into that game. I think that's all that, what it's all about at the moment. You know, it's just building momentum week after week. Said it last week, cliche, and it, you know, take each game as it comes. But that's how sort of Castleford did it last season, didn't they? They sort of did that, didn't they? Every week was a, was a new week. They did roll somebody over, so hopefully we can just keep our little run going. Yeah, um, it's uh, Robert Louis' birthday today, Paul. 26. You know, yeah. had a fantastic start to his Salford career. Uh, many happy returns to Rob Blue. Happy birthday, if you're listening. Yeah, he's done very well, hasn't he, the last, the last two weeks. I mean, he looked very sharp again on uh, on Sunday, the way he cut through for the, uh, the second show. He witnessed the pieces, so I'm just hoping he, uh, he stayed off the, uh, the birthday cake till, uh, till Friday anyway, and uh, had another good performance on Thursday night. So, final bit of news uh, that we're nearly at 500 uh, Facebook friends, Paul, on the uh, on the Facebook page. Uh, great, you know, thanks for everyone who, who likes the page and, and, and contributes, um, you know, every time we put one on. It's pretty good, isn't it, Paul? Yeah, of course. Yeah, get people to keep sharing it as well and, uh, you know, keep inviting your, your friends to, to like the page. I mean, that's what I do. A lot of my friends sort off like because they're not interested in solving, <laughs> but you have to keep spreading the gospel, don't you? badgering everybody but yeah it's doing really well isn't it mate and uh, I've really enjoyed doing the, the podcast last few months and uh, spreading the, the gospel of salt definitely sure. uh, we're also on Instagram now do you, do you do a bit of Instagram Paul? Um, you saw my phone didn't you last week that, that died <laughs> so yeah. no I don't really do it Instagram I struggle with the internet a bit of a song, you know but um, what is Instagram? Is it pictures? It's, it's, it's photos, isn't it? Mostly, yeah. Right. We're on it. We're on it anyway. Devil in the detail. S R D Instagram. Um, basically, me, Dan, or, or yourself taking photos, basically of stuff. Um, but yeah, follow us on there as well, um, and uh, continue to uh, enjoy everything that we produce on the podcast. So what we'll do is uh, now we'll talk about uh, what our amateur sides have been up to uh, this week. Okay, Paul, what have we got for the amateur clubs this week? Uh, well, basically, there's not been. I've not got any scores to be honest with you. Um, I think I don't think there's any friendlies or anything. I couldn't find. Uh, I've got some fixtures though for this week. We've got some went uh, fixtures for the university. We've got the Bucks Trophy quarterfinal between Manchester and Nottingham, and another quarterfinal between Oxford and Manchester Met University. And we've also got a Northern Conference Cup semi-final between Hull A and Salford University. Uh, this this coming weekend, uh, on Saturday, Thurston Lions entertain South Wales Scorpions, Kells entertain Hemel Stags and Brow entertain Toulouse. On Sunday, Hunslet Hawks against Raiders, Keithley Cougars against Coventry Bears, North Wales Crusaders against Gloucester All Golds, Oxford against Lock Lane, Pilkington Rex against London Scholars, there's a massive derby in Rochdale between Rochdale Mayfield and Rochdale Hornets. Sidor play Newcastle Thunder. Westall play Doncaster. And there's another derby in York between York City Knights and York Acorn. So I presume the draw is going to be Sunday night or Monday. And that's when, obviously, Salford and Wakefield, Hulkingston Rovers, Widnes and the Championship sides come in. So we've got that to look, to look forward to at the weekend as well. Did I read somewhere that Adrian Marley's going to draw, do the draw? Did I read that? Well, am I making this up? Uh, I saw something on uh, the internet today. Was making the draw. I think it was. Was it Marley? Or was it Peacock? I can't remember. It was though. It was. I think it was Marley. Yeah. Well, if, it, if, it, if he's not in, we've just volunteered him. 
<laughs> yeah, so, yeah, you can do the next round. Yeah, <laughs> so like, like I say, you know, it's really good uh, that you know the Challenge Cup's coming around so quickly, and you know when our amateur clubs start uh, in the next couple of weeks, we'll have obviously full match reports on each one of them and pro, you know, see their progress uh, through the yeah, season. Yeah. Pop. Yeah, definitely. There's, but like we say, there's some tasty ties there in the Challenge Cup this weekend. Uh, I'm going to try and get to the Rochdale Mayfield Rochdale Alex game on on Sunday. Sunday half past kickoff at uh, Rochdale Mayfield. So got a few friends down there. So I'm going to try and bob to that one because uh, I believe uh, Matt Callan's playing in that game as well. He's played coach for Rochdale Mayfield. I don't know if any of our listeners will remember Matt. He played for Bradford in in sort of the nineties. I think he was he played in the Challenge Cup final in nineteen six actually, and uh, he's forty five this year and he's still playing. Uh, Rugby league, so that's uh, off to, to Matt Callan. Spring, spring chicken at, at 45. Yeah, and he's doing all right as well, I believe, as well. He scored a few tries this season, so uh, so yeah, it'd be nice if um, if Mayfield was to beat Rochdale Alex and we could have him in the next round. Yeah, uh, so that's the, the amateur uh, you know, preview for, the, for this week. And now what we'll do, we'll talk to our special guest, Carlo Napolitano, uh, about his career at Salford and his career in rugby league. So, joining us on the Devil in the Detail now is our special guest, Carlo Napolitano. All right, Carl. How are you doing, Rob? How are things, mate? Yeah, great. Great. Good to have you on, on the show. It's a pleasure to be on, mate. I'm, uh, I'm very proud of the show, and uh, I always listen to it when I was in Australia, so well done to you guys, too. Brilliant. Thanks for that. Uh, also joining me is, is Dan Robinson. All right, Dan? Hi, Rob. You okay? All right, Carlo? How are you, Dan? Good to see yeah, you. Good, speak mate. to you, mate. Nice to have a, a local Salford lad on the show. Pleasure to be on, mate. Cool. So obviously, let's go back to right, right at the beginning. Who were your sporting heroes growing up? Uh, well, that's uh, you know you, you you got to think back in the day then who who was knocking around and it was the the might of Wigan. But uh, there was a few heroes really, and, and all diverse in every every single way. Um, you know you can't go past your Ellery Hanleys. I think Ellery Hanley, no matter what what level of uh, rugby league you were playing, you know he was he was he was your idol. And then you know you're looking at your Salford lads. Uh, you know, you're looking at you, you're looking at Ian Blees, uh, you know Andy Burgess. They were very young when when I started becoming a Salford fan. I'm very fortunate that I played with them uh, later in my career. Yeah, you um, you obviously no age Ramali since you were through three years old. Um, obviously, you know both of you become professional rugby players. That's you know that's kind of really good, isn't it? That you both you know know known each other so long. I th- yeah, you know, I was talking to Moz about this the other day. You know, we both went to a All, Souls, All Souls Primary School, and in our class there was only seven people. There was there was five lads and two girls, and out of them five lads, three of us went on to play international rugby league and professional rugby league, and that's myself, Adrian, and Nathan McAvoy. And in fact, just thinking about it, then we all played international as well. Cool. How did your rugby league, uh, you know, career start? Um, well, my brother used to play for Eccles, and I went and watched him at a game at the Willows actually in one of the, you know, like it was the Lancashire Cup final that he used to play there. But it used to be a full day event, um, and I, I watched it and I thought, you know, I really, I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I was, I was playing football at the time, and I, me and Adrian were, were, were absolutely crap to be totally honest. <laughs> uh, he was a big lanky centre back and. I because I, I was fat, I was only always in goal <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> so um, you know, when we went to Our Lady Mount Carmel, uh, obviously uh, um, Barky was there, Mister Barler, and he was he was well into his rugby league, and and then I started going down to Eccles uh, at age thirteen, and were completely crap with a side of Ian Watson, myself, 
Adrian, Nathan McAvoy, um, you know, all lads that went on and did well in the game. But we were totally useless for probably the first three seasons. And then out of nowhere, as a group of men growing up, we, we were a tough bunch of lads. You know, we probably frequented pubs in Eccles when we were 16. So um, we, we, we just got to the point where I was at 16 years of age. We thought we could uh, mix it with the best. And then uh, we, we started becoming better as a unit and probably that one team, one family type set up. And then we, yeah, well, I think uh, under 18s, we were best in the country and we were beating all the Wigan sides, the St. Helens sides. We, we were fighting fairly strong. Um, yeah, and that, uh, you know, pushed us uh, and each other to, to other, other realms. Yeah, you I mean, mentioned like as I, well there, you mentioned, Carlo, that, you know, the likes of Nathan McAvoy, Ian Watson, yourself, um, you know, Adrian Morley and Chris Smith at the time, who was, was a right. friend of yours as well. Yeah. You know, quite a lot of the players there that were picked up, you know, from the junior academy ranks, a lot of Salford lads, and, yeah. you know, a lot of them, in fact, all of them went on to make it. You know, you've got Mozzie retired last year, uh, Nathan, who was playing at, a, you know, a high level of the game internationally, yourself. Um, Chris Smith, you know Ian Watson, now the the head coach of of you know the Salford side. So you know the Eccles team, and I played at Eccles a few seasons ago. You know there's a good group of lads, and it's a good sort of team to to get involved with. And there's a lot of you know kids coming through the ranks at Eccles. Yeah, there is, and, and uh, it begs the que- it begs to answer the question. I don't know what's happened since I've been away, and and again, I'm actually going to go and catch up with Ian and Tim, uh, obviously because I, I know him fairly well. Uh, Tim through the, the the World Cup and and I've even met him a few times so you know I wouldn't mind I wouldn't mind seeing what what Salford are doing towards the community because I'm really big on the community I think the community is the is the backbone of, of any development within a Super League or a, a professional football inside and it'll be good to see where where they are now with the community programs that they're doing. Yeah, so back to yourself you, you represented uh, British uh, amateur uh, rugby league at under eighteen level. Um, you know, that's right. that's, at that stage, you know, you were playing against the best of the best and you, you were showing them how to do it. Yeah, well, to, do you know what? To, to be totally honest, it was the year It was the year after, um, like, uh, Moza signed, Ian had signed. I think I was one of the last to get signed. Nathan was well and truly gone because he was, he was such a good kid. And I looked at all them and grew inspiration, saying if they can do it, I did. So I really worked hard in that off-season and then uh, went went back the following season to Eccles. And fortunate for me, I, I got picked. I didn't get picked in the initial Barler under-18 side, but I, I, I got through with Mike Morrissey. He always used to come and watch me and, and he really, really liked me. And I was very fortunate, extremely fortunate, because that at that point, I was playing first, first team for, for Eccles. So as a 16-year-old, 17-year-old, I was playing first team for Eccles, playing against men. And, um, that, you know, I think the first ever game I played with Paul Fletcher being the coach, um, uh, we was playing against an, a very experienced Earlham Hornets side when they were the best. And, you know, I think that, that, that made me grow as an individual. So I ended up, I ended up really getting mature real quick. Uh, and that really helped me because I would play on Saturday for Eccles first team and then Sunday for the under-18s. So when I played against Barlow, um, I played every game in the in the '95 tour of New Zealand, and then when I came back, literally there was contracts on the table, which you know was my ultimate goal. Who? How did your Salford move come about? Well, I always wanted to play for Salford, and uh, there was no other team in my eyes, to be totally honest. Uh, but 
when you get the likes of Leeds, Wigan, St. Helens, you know, actually making interest and, and giving you a call, it, it does give you uh, a bit of a sprout. And, um, yeah, I, I, decided, I decided if Salford ever came in, no matter what the money I, I was going to sign, obviously I didn't tell them that. Um, <laughs> but that was the case. And Salford did come in with the best offer. So I just turned around and, uh, and took that offer and, and then basically, uh, yeah, I signed in '95. What was that feeling like? Obviously, walking out, you know, representing your home uh, town club, uh, you know, being, yeah. uh, you know what you dreamt of all, all your life. It must have been a proud moment for you and your family. Yeah, well, to be honest, growing up, my, my mother and father, being Italian and Maltese, that didn't really push me towards rugby league. They they just wanted to see a smile on my face, and they they never really handed me to do much really uh, apart from just making sure that I've got a good work ethic which uh, I've, I've lo and behold always wanted to have a good work ethic to be honest and that's one of my uh, one of my little goals that I set every day and um, yeah it was it was one of them that I was a kid I was one of those kids that and you'll know it Dan and you'll know it Rob where you used to have a function at the Willows and you'd look out out through them curtains and you'd see that hallowed ground and and for me, every time I looked at that, I spent 20, maybe an hour looking out there, just wishing I could play there. And um, it, it meant it meant the world to me to sign and run out as a Salfordian. Uh, it really did. Yeah, it's a, it's a sort of a local pride, really. Isn't it? I was the same, obviously, yeah. when, I, when I signed for the academy for a few years, you know, looking out, you know, being in the, in the willows, working, you know, collecting pots and looking out thinking, yeah, I'm playing on that pitch on Sunday and... You know, it was a buzz that you got at the Willows. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was like you say, it's, it's a proud moment. You know, for yourself and for everybody concerned with yourself, because it was nice to see a local lad putting on a local side shirt and you know and, and doing quite well. Um, you yeah. mentioned signing for the club. Obviously, John Wilkinson was the chairman at the time. That's which right. His influence, because uh, a lot of people said you know they, they tended to sign for the club after speaking to you know the chairman at the time and you know the way he was with the players and his staff. It gave you a really good sort of feeling. You know, did yeah. you ever get to speak to the chairman when you signed? Uh, no, I didn't actually, but I knew him previously and I knew he knew me because any time that we'd bump into each other, he, he would always have a nice quiet word. Ne- never about rugby league, but just how you're doing, how's life. He's, he was just such a calm and commanding uh, presence. And, and I think, you know, if I see him today, I'd still call him chairman because he's he's, he's a well-respected individual. And uh, to be honest, he, he added me two days ago on Facebook. Yeah, yeah he just, I've just noticed he just come on Facebook. I think he's added a few of us as well. <laughs> So, uh, Are you Mason Keynes and Brown friend as well? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I am actually. Uh, that, that came through the other day. I don't actually, I don't actually uh, go on Facebook that much because I do everything through Instagram. But um, I, every now and then, I'll see some people I recognise it and actually accept their friends. So apologies to everyone else. Cool. Um, obviously, you played uh, for Salford, you know, you know, a couple of seasons, mostly in, under the twenty ones. What what was that like? What was the coaching like back then? Yeah, well, um, the academy was under Steve McCormack and I still have a massive affinity with Steve and a, a massive um, respect for him as a coach. He was he was awesome as a coach. He was a very well-liked person with with all the boys and he, he was, you know, he was very black and white. He would show you where the line is and you can be a friend, but, you know, work is work. And I really took a lot from him when I later got into coaching and I still... Respect him today as a, a really massive, great figure who was very honest um, and and very forthright in his in his approach and yeah he was 
he was a very very good coach in the in the alliance because I, I played alliance I played in the A team mm. at a very young age. Um, I think I only did one season or two seasons in the academy. I went straight into um, straight into uh, the alliance back then, and that was when it was the the real alliance with you know um, people coming back. So. Um, it, it was a it was a good learning curve for me to to step straight in and and then I, I pretty much stayed in the alliance for a number of years before making my debut in uh, 2000 I think it was 2000 2001 um, and I was I was a bit cut by that because I felt I was ready a lot probably a couple of seasons beforehand and I think anyone who watched the A team you know I was a, I was a back rower front rower who, who ended up playing 80 minutes m- most games and yet you know people were coming from other clubs and. Uh, who were played against, and, and I believe that dominated, and, and then they would they would get into our first team, and that was quite quite hurtful. You mentioned it there about you know being in the the A team, the Alliance. You know, the good setup back in them days because obviously you had the 19s, you had the 18s, you had the 21s. You know, there was a lot of, of structure yeah. within clubs. Do you think that's what's missing at the moment? Because you know, you look at some teams, they've got a first team, and I mean, a, a few years ago, Salford, we only had the you know a 19s and a first team. You know, whereas back then, yeah. you know, I remember actually, you know, being a ball boy, being part of, you know, the the alliance set up um, eventually. Uh, you yeah. know, do you think that's what's missing? Where there's, you know, a lot of feeder teams coming into the first team, so they get the mentality of the club, they get the structure, and then they build up to, to like yourself, you know, putting on the, the red shirt and performing at first team level. Well, it's a very good question, Dan, and and I think um, you know, as a development, uh, as a bloke who's gone through all grassroots to to professional and and coached at all levels as well. I think you know we we go from under 19s to, to first first grade, um, or you know the under 20s to first grade, and that works for the backs. But as a forward, you, you know I think you need to be a little bit older, a little bit more mature. I, I made my debut at, at 23, but I felt I felt completely at home um, making my debut at 23, uh, even though I believe I, w- I should have been around 21, 22 when I made my debut, uh, but that wasn't the case. But I do believe I know for a fact Australia they're they're really in the next year you'll see less influence on the under twenties and, and they will go back to a reserve grade competition. I have no doubt about that. Yeah, I think it's a good setup as well because, like you say, you had a lot of the first teamers that you know maybe weren't getting as many games. They drop into the alliance team. You know, people that are coming back. So the the players like yourself at the time you were getting sort of first team experience with these players. So once you did move up to the first level, you were you know you were aware of what the players were, what they wanted. Yeah. You know, so it was a good setup, and I think I, I agree with you there, Cal. I do think that's what's missing in the game at the moment. Well, I actually see it this way now, and I've, I've said this for some time now. I'll tell you, for the last ten years, I've been canvassing. I think the under twenties works. I think we've got to follow an international model. So we go under sixteens, under eighteens, under twenties, and I really believe there's got to be an under twenty threes or twenty fours, because if you haven't made it at that point, there's more than likely you won't have, and then you can go back. <laughs> And you can go back and actually, um, you know, into the 24s as a as a first team player, and you and you're not just you're not dominating. So I think the 23, 24, under 23s, under 24s is a really good grounded, because if they're not if they've not made it by then, then they will go back into the championship, and then what we're doing is recycling our talent. Um, I've been a massive believer in that, and I've said it in you know in the Australian. Uh, realms as well. I think that's the step that we need to make if we're going to be true about the development of the game. Uh, internationally, you decided to, to play for Italy. You know, what was your your thought process around that? Um, well, there was a couple actually. 
Um, I've always been a very proud Italian, and anyone can tell you that from day dot. Like I, I went to Italy every year, you know, I su- supported Italy as a, as a child, and um, you know, very proud. I'm very proud of all my aspects of being English, being Maltese, and being Italian. I'm very proud, and I'm very, I'm a very uh, proud about my heritage in all aspects of that. And um, we was brought more on Italian values than Maltese, even though we've got more Maltese family in England than we have an Italian. But um, when, when just before I made my debut, probably '99, yeah, it was '99, definitely. Um, I I see I came across a magazine, uh, Rugby League World, and it had Mick Pisano's number. It said, "If you want to represent Italy, then give us a call." I I remember it really clear as day. Went round to my father, went, "Dad, uh, I've just seen this. I really I'm going to reply for it." And he says, you know that you probably won't be able to play for, for England or Great Britain again. I said, do you know what? I said, you've been probably, <laughs> I remember him having a bit of a tear in his eye. I said, Dad, you've been my my biggest role model in life. You know, he came over to here, to England with nothing, um, you know, struggling to speak the language and, and, and you've provided everything for us and our family. It would give me absolute honour to represent Italy in every aspect, um, you know, uh, as, as, a, as a tribute to yourself. And, and he just nodded his head and went, well, we'll do it. So I did. I sent the email to Mick Pisano, got included in the 99 Mediterranean Cup side and uh, met up with the boys. And yeah, it was great. I didn't I, I didn't play in the first game against Lebanon, which is a World Cup qualifier. Um, but then I played in every game after it. I played the, the Morocco team and then, and then we played France. And that time France was a little bit of a powerhouse and we, we beat France in France, which is amazing, really. And that that seen the debut of uh, a young Anthony Minicello. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, you you played for Italy, uh, you know, a few times, and that started your, your kind of journey uh, through the the Italian uh, sort of process, going up to being a coach, which we'll, which we'll talk about later on. Um, you know, looking back, um, you know, you're surrounded by some, you know, some like you said, some decent players, Minicello. Um, you know, when you were playing for it, did you see, you know, the the green the sh- green shoots of, of you know, um, you know, potential uh, around you? Um, me personally, or the actual organisation? Yeah, the organisation, because obviously you you went from being a player up to being a coach, or you. Yeah, well, it was a very it was a very different time then, Rob, because you got to remember the largest community outside of Italy is actually based in Australia. Right. Funny enough, and with the formula of them loving rugby league, it's it doesn't take a mathematician to work out that there'll be some good Italian, uh, some good rugby league players that would be able to represent Italy. Um, and that's exactly what happened. So a majority of our side, 90%, 95% of that side, actually in 99 was Australian-Italian. There was hardly, there was probably two Italians, um, and then the rest was, uh, you know, made up from England, which was myself and Anthony Feller. So, um, you know, at that point, it, there wasn't a real organisation. It was actually actually born out of Australia, and, and, and the Italian Rugby League was formed. It was actually... Um, they were asked to represent a side in the World 7s and World 9s in, I think, 95. And that's how we got together. Right. On on the field, unfortunately, you suffered a, a badly broken leg, uh, which yeah. kind of, you know, kind of finished your professional career. You know, how how did you feel about, obviously, you know, you're at a crossroads at that yeah. point in your career. What what were you going to do? Like It was heartbreak, mate. It was, I, I, can't, I can't put it any other way. Um, I... I've just done three first first team games, and um, John Harvey said to me, "Listen, Carlo, you're going to play. You're going to play about 
40 minutes in, in the 18, we've got some lads coming back from injury. I want you to have a good game because then that will put you into, uh, into, a sh- into the mix for the following week. And we were playing with Leeds, and not many people know this, but the week before, uh, Leeds had phoned me up and said, uh, Gary Heather- Hetherington phoned me up and said, listen, we're really interested in you uh, coming over. To be totally honest, I wasn't interested in going. I was going to use it as a bargaining chip with Salford to get a new contract, to be totally honest. Yeah. Um, and then we played in the, it was in the Alliance, and uh, I, mean, I, I actually, uh, <laughs> I thought he had a, a cracking game. I scored one, I set one up. Uh, played 20 minutes, came off, went back on the back end of the 20 minutes. Now five minutes to go, make make a break. Um, I hit I hit the full back. He literally just sits on my foot, but I kindled to my legs, and I've turned around and tried to offload. And it was Gaz Carvel actually, and I always blame him to the day. Yeah. He got me, but the thing is, where my leg was stuck, I couldn't get out of it, and he wrestled. And the worst part was just watching it break. I couldn't do much about it. So. Um, but it was a it was a break just above above the Achilles, so I literally I've had problems with Achilles all my life now. Um, but yeah, that ended my career, and then brought three weeks later because Salford was so poor at that time. You know, I got the, I got get a phone call off uh, Dave Terry saying, "Oh, we'll have a meeting with you," and uh, he released me from my contract. So um, you know, it was a, a really bitter pill to swallow, knowing that I've just had such a good um, such a good lead up, and everything was going my way. Uh, and then to be told after I brought my leg playing for a hometown club that he wasn't required anymore was was really, really hard and probably one of the hardest things I've ever done. So at that point, obviously, you know, you're looking, you know, wondering what the future holds. Uh, yeah. You started to sort of go into to the coaching side of the game. Uh, was it kind of hard to adapt, kind of going from a player into a, a coach? Well, yeah, it was. I spiralled out of control. I'm, I'm not going to tell a lie. And, you know, with the state of mind, I think it's really important to talk about these issues. I... I turned to uh, to alcohol a lot. Uh, I didn't know what to do. I did not know what to do. I wanted to be a rugby league player all my life, and someone's just it's ended within two weeks. And um, you know, uh, I, I didn't know where to look. Didn't know where to go. Didn't know what to do. My education wasn't great. Um, I put everything into being a rugby league player. Uh, so that's a, a definite lesson for the listeners out there. You know, make sure if you if you love your rugby league, you you, you get your education done first and. Uh, the best thing about it was Moz, Moz just signed for the Roosters and he turned around and said, listen, Carlo, just why don't you come out here for a year? Um, we'll play. You can play local football, but you just help me settle in. And I, I actually went, yeah, Australia, we'll have that. And then um, that's what happened. So for a year, I went out with Adrian. And that, to be honest, is where I, I started getting the coaching book because I followed Ricky Stewart around a bit. And uh, Benny Gardner, who was the, the strength and conditioner then, um, and I basically found that I had a bit of a natural talent for, for coaching. So that's where coaching was born. And then when that year was over, I came back, and then that's when I got uh, asked by Salford if I would like to um, uh, be an assistant to Alan Hunt in the, the academy. Do you think your sort of coaching in Australia kind of, you know, I'd say Australian, the better quality of player that are available. Do you think that yeah. enhanced your sort of culture? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, I, to be honest, after that year, and I came back, I did a year with Alan, two years with Alan, and then um, uh, with the Solvent Academy, and then I started going through the elite ranks. So the elite RL, uh, RLF, R, sorry, RFL program with the elite coaches. So I ended up doing the Lancashire under 15s uh, with actually Haito's dad. Paul Hyton's dad, 
and I, and I enjoyed it immensely. But um, knowing that I started wanting to go down this route, there was an opportunity for me to, to uh, get a job with the Queensland Rugby League and um, into Wumba and, and I applied for it and got it. <laughs> so I became a, a development officer in 2004 and flew out with two weeks' notice to Australia. So that's where it's obviously your Australian uh, you know, time over there sort of came to a start. Um, yeah. Obviously, when you're moving over there, um, you know, what else was it sort of that you were, you were up to? Because you had obviously your rugby career with the, you know, the Queensland side, like you said, doing all the coaching and stuff. Was it just sort of 100% focused on your coaching over there? Yeah, definitely. So at that at that point, I was uh, I wasn't really doing anything with Italy, but I was back in touch with Mick Pisano, and I said, "Mick, what's going on?" And Mick Pisano turned around and said, "Listen, Carlo, everyone's kind of slipped away now. You know, we're doing odd things here and there." And this is 2004, so Mick Mick Pisano and I just got together. We spoke in Sydney and said, "Right, well, let's do it. If we're going to do it, you know, uh, let's let's do it properly and let's go back to Italy." We went back to Italy in 2004, 2005, 2006, 2007. Just kept on going back and, and then identifying people in Italy. Uh, then we'd what we'd do is we'd have games that was uh, raising money and then take it back to Italy and do some more development. And that's really, to be honest, like if Mick or I walked away, I don't think the Italian rugby league would have been where it is today. And I'm not saying that in a, in a cocky type of way. I'm, I'm saying in a in a in a, uh, in a in a kind of way that that's how the organisation would have went because you know obviously you can't do it on your own um, and you know it's something that I'm extremely proud of to be told honest. Yeah, because you mentioned you know you give a lot of your time uh, sort of about 15 years towards the Italian game. You know, yeah. How did it come about that you know you were offered the the coaching job, the head coaching job? How did that come about? <laughs> well, at that point. At that point, when there was me and Mick Pisano, I was a level three coach, and he just said, right, well, you might as well coach the, the, the national side. So it, was, so it was a case of, right, it's yours now, there you go. <laughs> well, yeah, but as, as we grew as an organisation, and I had to justify my, my position, and, and you know, uh, yeah, it, it, was, it was one of them where, you know, we started playing international games. I, I think as an Italian coach, I, mean, my, I think my stats are pretty good. Like, I'm on a 75% win. Uh, which I'll take that any day of the week, to be totally honest. And, it's nice uh, to put on your CV, that one, isn't it, like Carl? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, and um, it's, it, you know what, I really enjoy, I really enjoy coaching, I really do, and even in my business life now, I, like there's a big correlation towards high-performance sport and business, and I, and I really enjoy it. I, I love coaching anyone. I'd coach two flies in a bag because I enjoy it, but I enjoy the look that they get when the penny drops. Um, and you know, I, I really, I, yeah, I, I enjoy it so much that it's, uh, yeah, it's sometimes sad to think that you know I'm out of the game at the moment. Was it sort of much of a different style having to coach, you know, coaching internationally than, than coaching sort of young kids? Yeah, of course it is. It always is. Uh, but to be honest, it, even even coaching on a week to week basis and coaching short term is is also different. So take the Italian. The Italian side, when we played, obviously it was out of season, but these lads have had a massive workload put on them, and you've got to try and get them up again, you know, to to work uh, to to play international football, you know. And I, I've always been very in tune with with the needs of the player. I think that's really important. I think Graham, I spent a lot of time with Graham Murray, uh, God rest his soul, you know, and he was a massive mentor for me because he said, listen, if you you actually coach the person and, and learn the person and the player will come out. And I really believe that. So we made an environment uh, based upon having fun. And I think uh, I, I think 
that that seriously gets lost in today's professionalism. But before you get paid, you got to understand why you were doing it in the first place. And I think that was I think that's deadly important. And all my time in Australia made made me a better coach. And that's the whole point of why I went out there. So obviously leading up to sort of a World Cup that was you know on the horizon, the Italian team were obviously involved in that. You know how did it look yeah. at you know from from going into it? You know you had the I know a proud moment for yourself uh, leading yeah. out the Italian team at the AJ Bell and actually getting a win against the English side. You know how did that feel for you? Oh, beyond words, really. You know that that's a fairy tale moment. That you know you don't get it wasn't it wasn't sort of a, a second stint England team was it you had quite a lot of players that were you know that went on to you know play in the World Cup uh, you know for yeah. the English side it was quite a sort of a well drilled side at the time yeah that's right that's right Dan so we um, so going into that you know everyone goes oh god you're an overnight success and people don't realise that that overnight success took 15 years you know uh the whole point of that in 2010 was getting Mini on board, right? I knew if I got Mini on board, I'd get everyone else. And yeah. I've got a good relationship with Mini. So it, was, it wasn't that hard. I just had to time it right. Um, because Mini came on board. No, he didn't come on, actually. He came on in 2000 and, yeah, 2011 because at 2000, in, in 2010 and 2011, he ended up st- playing State of Origin yeah. with Mini. And then 2011, the back end of 2011, he said... He um, announced that he was going to play for Italy, so it was really hard. But once I had him locked in, then it was easy to get the rest of the NRL players. Yeah, so, he's sort of one of them catalyst players, wasn't he? I mean, you know, he was a, a fantastic player, you know, for the Roosters, you know, for Australian national side, and to have him sort of, yeah. you know, in in tow for you was, you know, a massive advantage. And you know, the likes of the players now in the Super League, you know, the Josh Mantellatos and and so on and so forth, you know, they sort of stepped up and and came yeah. on board, you know, and you had quite a good core group of players there, didn't you? Oh, it was massive. We had 16 NRL players. We had three who were playing in the Super League. You know, um, I had a handful of lads playing in New South Wales Cup, which is a very strong level. I had James Stoutenstall, who uh, came through from Warrington, but he was just a bit too young for us. But uh, overall, I had, a, I had a very good, strong squad. You know, in that year, you got to remember, uh, Aidan Guerra and Anthony Minicello won the Premiership. Yeah. You know, and that, that was hard because they were partying hard, which they deserved. Um, and probably did, we didn't do any of the lead up I, I just said listen enjoy your moment uh, make sure you, you check in before we go and literally turned up on the day uh, that we were leaving but I didn't have a problem with that because they deserved it um, and then we then we started our process and then the process yeah um, it was great because I talked to Steve McNamara and I said Steve I'd like uh, us to play a warm up game against England he went sounds brilliant Carlo excellent I said I've got one stipulation that it's played at Salford. <laughs> and he turned around to me and he went, Carlo, I can't, I can't do that. And I went, mate, make it happen or the game's not on. <laughs> so we burst out <laughs> laughing. And anyway, I got a call two days later to say it was going to be at Salford. So, uh, yeah, that, that was pretty funny. Do you reckon, obviously, you know, the Italian success story, do you think uh, possibly there could be a kind of a Super League franchise, you know, in, in the future, down, well, in Italy? Yeah, definitely. I, I don't see why not. Again, it all comes down to money, Rob. Unfortunately, you know, money sp- franchises now cost money, and I, I, if they've made a success out of it out of the Catalans, and I believe it is a success. Look at the caliber of players they're attracting. They might not be playing completely great football right at the moment, but they have got a great caliber of players. I have no reason why. If you take the sixteen lads from the NRL, why wouldn't they play for an Italian franchise? Of course they would. You know. 
but again, it's money, and um, you know, supporters would, would pencil it in for sure. You know, we're, we're based next to Venice. Why would you not go to Venice for a weekend? Yeah, I think, I think everything, you mentioned everything. It there, haven't you? Yeah, a lot of the supporters sort of enjoy the franchise system because a lot of it use it as a holiday and they get to watch their team play as well. Oh, you know, it's it's, it's set up for for franchise for the franchise in Italy. You know, and uh, we we we've been talking about it many times, but again, it's the it's the money that. Uh, the, it's the money that that they need, and and I've been talking to the national international rugby league, and I've been saying this for years. I said, listen, apart from the international rugby, rugby league, isn't big enough if we want to develop it. Imagine if every pound or every dollar from every player who played in the amateur setup in, in any country went into a pot, and then every pound off every player's contract professionally went into a pot, and every pound off every ticket went into a pot for international rugby league. We'd have millions to spend, yeah. and I know for a fact it costs. Probably forty thousand euros to, to really do a good domestic league. So I think I, I, I did the maths on that. For, I think forty thousand times thirty-two is around about one point four mil. Yeah, it's not a lot when you talk about in proper development in in the international game. And it, yeah, that, that 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 proposal I put forward it just gets brushed under the brushed under the carpet. So great interview uh, there. That's the first part, uh, Paul, of the interview. We'll have the second part next week. Um, you know. Carlo, what a character. Yeah, definitely. And he's enthusiastic there about his, his time at Salford and playing for Swinton as well. He's one of one of a few players who play for both sides. And uh, I, re- I do remember Carlo playing for playing for Salford. I remember him scoring at Bradford when we lost by 96 points. And I remember uh, you know, for him that day and uh, cheering him on. So we're uh, fond members of Carlo playing for Salford. So, yeah. So I'll say tune in next week for the second part of it. Uh, and now what we'll do, we'll talk about the, uh, the Wigan game uh, on Thursday night. It's time for the Devil of the Details Big Match Preview. So, Thursday night, um, we're going away. Paul, you know, after our two good performances, we've got a goal there full of confidence. Of course, we have, yeah. We, you, we, t- on the back of two good wins, you, you've got to be confident, haven't you? It's going to be tough. Um, it always is at Wigan. I mean, you've got a few injuries, haven't they? But they've still got a lot of class players in that side, haven't they? And, you know... We never seem to perform when we go there, so hopefully this this time could be our could be our year. Yeah, Wigan um, suffering a few injuries. Dan, you've got uh, Wigan's nineteen uh, man squad there. Um, who's in? Who's out? Yeah, their nineteen man squad been released for for Thursday. You've got uh, John Bateman, Joe Bretherton, Greg Burke, Tony Club, Liam Farrell, Ben Flower, Anthony Gellin, Oliver Gildart, Nick Gregson, Don Manfreda, Lee Mossop, Sean O'Loughlin, and Sam Powell, Dan Sargenton, Matty Smith, Ryan Sutton. Salima Tautai, Lewis Tierney and George Williams. So a lot of kids have been drafted in there. Um, looking at their squid, this Nick Gregson, uh, Joe Bretherton. You know, so, uh, yeah, I think it's a perfect time to play Wigan. Yeah, Salford's a 19-man squad. It's Justin Carney, uh, Michael Dobson, Nia Levels, Mark Flanagan, George Griffin, Josh Griffin, Greg Johnson, Josh Jones, Craig Kopjack, Olin Krinicki, Ryan Lannan, Tommy Lee, Robert Lou. Ben Murdoch Masala, Gareth O'Brien, Matt Southfield, Junior South, Logan Tompkins, and Jordan Warren. Um, you know, it's it's like Dan said, it's an ideal time to to play in Paul. And we put quite a stronger, uh, you know, 19 man squad there, considering we've only had a, a few days to turn around before the, after the witness game. 
Yeah, definitely. But I think you've still got to look at Wigan's side. They've still got some big names in there. You've still got Gellin in there, Sargis and Manfredi, Matty Smith, uh, George Williams. They've still got their half-backs, O'Loughlin, Ben Flower, Farrell. They've still got a decent side there, haven't they? And they're no mugs at home, Wigan. They don't seem to lose many home games. So it's going to be it's going to be tough. But the way we're playing and you know the, the start we made against Widnes, the start we made against St. Helens, I think it's vitally important we come out of the block early at Wigan. I think if you go there and start slow and they get a bit of a lead. I think you've had it really. We've got to go there, come out come out firing at them from the first minute. Mm. I think the you know the big loss for them is Macalorum. Uh, you know, he's he's gonna he's usually dominant around the rook. Um, and obviously him him not being there uh, will give Tommy Lee a bit more space Dan to, you know to work his magic. Yeah, he's a massive player for them, isn't he Macalorum? You know, he sort of you know, leads them from the front, you know, he directs the forwards, he directs the backs, you know, so it, it'll be missed, but, you know, Sam Powell will probably play at nine for them, you know, he, he he's no mug, he's quite a good, yeah, so I think, you know, they, they've got quality internationals in their, their squad, haven't they, you know, they've still got a lot of Matty Smith, uh, but yeah, like I said, Sam Powell, you know, he'll go in at nine, and yeah, I think they'll be a, a strong side to begin, but again, we're a strong side, I think we'll match them, I think if we don't get 12 points in the first four minutes, then there's something wrong. <laughs> yeah, I think obviously last season was, was quite a, you know really good performance at Wigan. We we pushed them all away. Um, Paul, oh let, let's not talk about that because we should have won that game, shouldn't we, boys? To be fair, yeah. you know I think the decisions didn't go our way <clears> on the day, and you know again we were we were robbed. Yeah, and I think yeah over the sort of last since they've moved since since they've left Central Park and gone to that stadium, which is probably like eighteen or so years now. In out of those games, I think there's only been sort of two or three where we've really been in the game and I seem to remember a Challenge Cup game uh, about 2009 something like that where they beat us by maybe one score and maybe last season other than that there's been a lot of blowout scores haven't there when we've, when we've been to Wigan but I think like we were saying it's vitally important we get off to a good start because you, you know you know exactly what you're going to get when you go to Wigan we don't usually get the referee you don't usually get the rub of the green you don't usually get the bounce of the ball so we've got to, we've got to make that happen haven't we on Thursday and take advantage of it while we can because like Dan was saying, McLaurin's a big miss. I mean, I think the first game of the season when they played Huddersfield, and I think he scored the two tries, didn't he? That, that won the game for for Wigan against Huddersfield in a really tight game. So he's he's a massive miss for them, and uh, we've just got to capitalise on it. Do you think, Dan? Do you think the you know having you know one less day than Wigan? Do you think that that's going to be a, a factor? No, no, not at all. You know, the, the professional athletes, you know, they, they, as soon as he finished on on Sunday, they went straight into the rehabilitation. You know, for all the you know, the muscle strengths and things like that, the, the ice baths and everything that they do, you know. You know, having worked at the club, I know they'll, they'll, they would have done that Sunday, straight after the game. Um, so, no, I don't think that makes a difference at all. I think, you know, both sides will be, be ready, raring to go. Uh, but but as to reiterate what Paul was saying, you know, normally uh, when we go to Wigan, the, the only thing on our mind is, you know, let's keep it below 50. And that's what we've done for, the you know, quite a few seasons now. But it's nice to go there. And actually think, you know, we can actually win this, boys. We, you know, we can get a, we can get a result here. We're playing off the back of two great performances, and we can get a result rather than going there thinking if we keep it below 40, 50, we've done well. Yeah, big following, uh, Paul. That's that's the rumor up at, up to Wigan um, on Thursday night. You know, like you said, we've said before, we've we've had a, we've seen a few hammerings uh, over the years. It'd be good, uh, you know, for us to win one. Definitely would. It definitely would, but. Like we would, like Dan was just saying there, you know about you know doing the rehabilitation and all its bits and bobs that they do after the game. I think once you've got this confidence and you're on a run like that, to me, if, it was, if I was a player, I'd be wanting to play the next day. 
Mm. And I think a lot of the players are like that, aren't they? They just want to get back out there and play now, don't they? Because, you know, you've, you've got that feel-good factor around the club, haven't you? So I think, yeah, hopefully we'll take a big following there. And let's just hopefully we take a big following there and we don't let everybody down. We, we perform. I mean, if we don't win, we don't win. But let's just go there and, you know, let, not leave anything in the, in the dressing room. Let's just get out there and, and do what we can. And if we play like we have done in the last couple of games, I think we'll be more, more than a match for Wigan, definitely. You and, me, you and me were talking about it, weren't we, Paul, um, earlier on? Yeah. We were saying, you know, we, the thing is, I do, I'm one of them people, me, I don't mind if we get beat. No. The only thing that bothers me is that we put in a performance and we actually show that we want to do it. If but, we get beat by 12, 18 points, then so be it. But if, if them players can come off that pitch and they can say, look, we've give our all, and the fans go, yeah, we've give our all, we're not got the points, but we're pleased. Roll on next week, rather than coming away going, "Oh, what a stonker that was!" You know, we we had no passion, we had no drive, and you know, I really, really do think that we're going to get a victory Thursday. That's all you want to see. And I mean, for for too long, I think we've gone to grounds like Wigan and Leeds and St. Helens, and we've been beat before we've gone walked on a pitch. I mean, you've only got to look yeah. at the away records of them three grounds. I mean, I mean, I'm not going to reel off the statistics, but we know, don't we? That it's been years since we've won at these grounds, and it's, it's crazy. Because other sides seem to be able to go and do it, so I, I think it's all, it is all about attitude, and yeah. I think I think that attitude to me seems like it's changing this season with Sheens and Watson. It does seem like a different attitude, the different togetherness there. And I'm, I'm hope, hopefully we'll be proved right on on Thursday. If we, if we get beat, we get beat. But if they go there and perform and give it that hundred percent, you can walk out on the ground with your head held high, can't you? And that's all to me. That's all I've ever wanted. And that's yeah. all we, we want to support us. But hopefully we'll just get that bounce of the ball on Thursday and, and just get the two points as well, which would just be, just finish it off. They'll be dancing in the streets of Barton on, the, on Thursday night. Well, I won't, I won't be going to work on Friday if we win anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm, off on, I'm off on school holidays at the minute, so I'm happy days anyway. <laughs> so give us, a, give us your score prediction, Dan. I'm going to go Salford 20, Wigan 10. 10, Paul? I'm going to go 21-14 to Salford because that's the score the last time we beat him away. So, lucky omen, 21-14. I'm going to go Wigan 20, Salford 36. I think we're going to click. I think Wigan, they took a bit of a beating, didn't they? Yeah. Against Brisbane. If that result comes true. If, if that result comes through, <laughs> I'm having a week then, off. <laughs> yeah, I've got, I've got a funny feeling that, you know, that beating. I'll tell you what, st- stick, stick £10 on that, mate. <laughs> to, to be honest, I remember when we, uh, we talked about when we beat Leeds uh, for the first time in 75 years, something like that. I woke up that, that morning and I, I would have put my house on us winning that day. I know it sounds mental, but. You know, there's only a couple, there was like one time in the whole life that I knew we were going to win. No one was listening to me. It was like a weird dream. Everyone, everyone I told, we said we're going to win today. Everyone was looking at me like I'd gone mad. Not, you know, I'm feeling that could be the same on Thursday. So I'm thinking, you know, that, you know, we'll start well. Uh, we're going to come back into it, but then the legs, you know, we'll, we'll, uh, you'll push away at the end full of confidence. You, you would, you would expect a backlash from Wigan, especially after the way yeah. they, they sort of. I've watched the the Brisbane game twice I've been a bit of a geek I watched it again this afternoon and uh, you, probably, you, know, you might have watched it more time than you watched it probably. yeah well you know I like, I like to study these teams and not being a saddle on my day off but um, hey, but those... the amount of minutes you've put in there uh, Paul you've done more minutes than McAlorum on that game <laughs> yeah but I, I was impressed with Brisbane but 
there's you always expect that backlash from Wigan, don't you? When they lose a game, it's just the way Sean Wayne was talking in his interview at the end. It's not the Wigan way and all that. And I mean, I don't agree with everything he says, but you can see them coming out fired up, can't you? Um, they're they're, they're going to throw everything to us. Of course, they are. 10, yeah. 15 minutes, the, aren't they? The, the first ten or fifteen minutes is crucial, and I think it always is when you're away from home. And it, if you can quieten the crowd down, especially there, get the crowd on their backs. I mean, they're not they don't get behind them as as much as some teams do, do they? I mean, it's not like going to Wall or somewhere like that. You usually can quieten the crowd down there at Wigan. Um, so I think the first sort of ten minutes is going to be crucial. If we can come out flying like we have done the last two weeks, silence the crowd. You got you've got a massive chance of, of turning them over. Cool. So that's what we uh, we think will happen on, on Thursday night. Hopefully, Salford will come away with the uh, victory uh, and we'll be celebrating uh, three in a row. So that's the end of another podcast. Another you know, good podcast, Paul, another good listen. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm just, I can't wait now for, for Thursday. I'm really excited. Feel sick with nerves and that. But no, uh, we all seem really confident. So, uh, so yeah, why not? Let's just let everybody get down there and let's cheer us all on for, to a, a good victory. Yeah, big thanks to Carlo Napolitano for coming on, Dan, and you know another great guest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I keep pulling them out, don't I? Uh, <laughs> but obviously, we'll you know we'll work out the devil in the details to try and get some more guests. Uh, what I will say to the listeners, if there's anybody that you want to hear from, you know, if you get it to us, we'll do our best to try and get them on the show. Because at the end of the day, this fans podcast is for you. It's for you know made by fans for the fans. So if there's anybody that you want to you know listen from on the show then uh, send us a quick message or comment on the Facebook or Twitter and we'll try and do our best. But yeah, big big thanks to Carlo. It was a fantastic interview with him. If you start name-dropping names again, Dan, I have to get a sound effect. So I'll have to get like a, a big dong sound effect if you start name-dropping again. <laughs> I don't drop names. <laughs> they drop my name. No, they, yeah, they drop your name. Yeah, I thought so. Uh, so th- thanks for listening to this week's Devil in the Detail. You can find us on Facebook, Devil in the Detail, SRD. You can find us on Twitter at D-I-T-D, S-R-D. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes and rlinternetradio.com. So thanks for listening and we'll, uh, we'll see you next week. Ha, 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 ha.